0: As you know, we have been in this series called The Christmas List and we have seen so much that God has for us. But since this is the day after Christmas, I thought that we would save the best wish that God has for us for last. Now, remember some of the things that God has put on his Christmas list for us. Things like loving your neighbor, right? Things like not being afraid. Things like revealing himself to us, revelation and reconciliation, all these good things. But let me tell you the thing that God really wants for us. Not, not above and beyond the others, but I think a really important one. God wants us, he wants for us to tell the world about his Son. And I know that seems really simple, right? And I've just laid it out for you, so I've kind of ruined the whole sermon. And if you want, you can just turn it off at this point and not engage anymore. That makes sense. You've got the whole thing. You've got the crib notes. You've got the, the, the cheat sheet. But in each of the gospel tellings of this story, what we recognize is that when people see Jesus, they have a desire to tell the world. In fact, what we see is that we're kind of told to become, and I'm going to use the word, evangelists. And this word can be a bit nerve-wracking for a lot of people. I mean, I never wanted to be an evangelist because I'd seen them on TV with this like big blue hair and dyed. And I like, you know, that's, and that's a particular group of evangelists, right? And I wasn't interested. And then when I came to work, for the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. There were people who were just evangelists, like they didn't have a church, they just went from town to town doing evangelism. And that was not something that I was very interested in either. The truth was, it wasn't until I really understood the good news of Jesus that I was willing to be called an evangelist. And that took a while and it was a burden at first. Because I wasn't sure what I was sharing. You see, I thought maybe I was supposed to be sharing Christianity. Or I thought maybe I was supposed to be sharing Seventh-day Adventism. But those aren't true. You see, if we're just sharing Christianity, if we're just sharing Seventh-day Adventism, then we're sharing the wrapping rather than the gift. Now listen, when my kids were little, when they were small, we'd give them gifts and they would rip open the wrapping paper and see the gift, put the gift aside and keep playing with the wrapping paper. They did that, but... This was because they couldn't see the value in what they were actually given. They thought that which made a little bit of noise, right? Or frayed really easily, or like they could tear apart. That was super exciting. But how quickly did they move past that? Are we still interested in the wrapping paper more than we are interested in the gift? Many of us who call ourselves Christians have become enamored by the wrapping rather than the gift. To make sure that didn't happen with the shepherds, there's an interesting conversation that the angels had with them when the birth of Jesus was announced. So I'm reading from Luke chapter 2, which is a familiar story, and often we go to the the book of Luke because he's so detailed in his telling of the story. Now I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and whatever translation you guys are reading from is great and we'll also have it on the screen. But it's it begins like this. Chapter 2 in Luke, verse 10. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. That's what they always have to do, right? You come in the presence of divinity. You come into the presence of something supernatural or supernormal, as we like to say here at Crosswalk. When God shows up, it's supernormal. So he says, don't be afraid. And then he says, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all the people. So of course, don't be afraid. That's the first response we often give. But then he tells the shepherds why. It's good news for all people that will bring great joy. Now, that's the whole idea of evangelism, to bring people great joy. There's good news that leads to joy. When we tell people about Jesus, where is the joy? And if you're not sure if you are sharing Jesus in a proper manner, ask yourself that question, where is the joy? Because if you experience joy, or if the person that you're telling experiences joy in finding out who Jesus is, you're doing it right. But if they understand this to be a burden, if they are concerned about whether or not they can do it, if, if this creates anxiety and trepidation in their life, then you're not sharing Jesus, you're sharing something else. Something that looks or equates itself or, or can be conflated with what we say faith is, but it might not be Jesus. The angel continues in chapter 2 verse 11. The Savior, yes the Messiah the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David." David. And the angel then just simply tells the truth. He doesn't sugarcoat it. And he doesn't say anything but the facts. When you share Jesus, what are the facts that you're sharing with them? Are you sharing that Jesus loves them? That he came down for them? Or Or are we sharing some of the hundreds of other things that get wrapped up into our evangelistic sermons? In fact, I'm not sure there are great evangelistic sermons. I think evangelism happens through conversation, it's through one person telling the truth to another person about who Jesus is in their life and what they have done for you. You see, evangelism isn't a program, it's not an event. It's the orientation of the heart of those who follow Christ. Now for church people, this means congregations, right? So wherever you're watching, wherever you are, you're part of a congregation that has to have a heart for telling people who Jesus is. If we leave evangelism to the pastors or the organizations, we're in pretty serious trouble. Because I can never know the people that you will reach. If we leave evangelism to the pastors or the organizations we belong to, we are in serious trouble. I can't reach you; you can. You can't reach who your neighbor can. You can't reach who your wife or your husband or your daughter or your son can. See, we've all been given the good news. And, And this idea of the priesthood of all believers demands that we are all engaged in this work. Evangelist, That's not a job title. It is, again, an orientation of the heart. We all do it as much as we all participate in the traditions of Christmas. In fact, celebrating Christmas is an evangelistic opportunity. It is an opportunity to tell people how good Jesus is. So the angel continued to talk to the shepherds. And he said, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. See, then the angel gets specific. The angel says, listen, he's going to be joy to the whole world, right? He's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be great. And he's born over there in Bethlehem. But let me tell you exactly how you're going to see him. Let me tell you exactly where and when you will find him. See, evangelism always has this practical aspect And and listen, let me stop here for a moment. I get it. You're like, all right, Pastor Tim, why are you giving us a sermon on evangelism? It is Christmas. I want to feel good about the gift. But let me tell you this. If you feel good about the gift, you have become an evangelist. You have begun to experience the joy that it is to have received God. And you know that you've got to give God. So, I mean, how will people find Jesus in today's world? Right? Church? Sure. Maybe a little harder this year. The Bible, yep, of course, they'll do that. But but it doesn't often work when somebody says, hey, what do you believe in? Why do you believe in God? And you go, here's a Bible, just read it, just see, right? More it will be how you show people who Jesus is, not just by the way you act, but by the way you love and the way that you share your joy. And that's the practical aspect of evangelism. So suddenly the angel kind of, does the practicality stuff, right? He lays it all out. Suddenly the angel is joined by a vast host of others. And then in parentheses, the armies of heaven. This is a, this is pretty big, right? Praising God and saying, so at once, once they got it, it was time to rejoice. And this was not a little party. This was a big party. I got to tell you, the best thing that happens in this church is when someone's baptized, when they come out of the water, there's hooping, there's hollering, people stand up, they're shouting, they're clapping because we're so excited that someone has made a decision for Jesus Christ. That's what joy of Jesus is. That's what it looks like. And so the angels sing, right? And they begin to sing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And that's a good praise song. And what a way to rejoice. Right? We do that often. We sing when we rejoice. We have these moments of just overflowing, effervescent love that we have to get out of us somehow. And some people who can't sing, dance, and some people who can't sing and dance, they clap. Some people, there's this expression like joy. What's accompanied with joy is a visceral expression, physical Could we even say incarnate, right? Because everything incarnates. Everything becomes palpable. Everything becomes real in the world. All your love, all your joy, all your peace, all your anger, all, all your strife, your struggle and your hate, all of it becomes incarnate into the world. It becomes flesh. I wonder, how do you take time to express joy? Do you dance? Do you sing? Do you whistle? Do you celebrate? And maybe this year it's felt really hard to do that. The only thing we've incarnated is frustration and and exhaustion and anxiety. So maybe a more particular question would be, how do you express joy in times of great sadness? Maybe this is a better question. You know, when Jesus appears on the scene, it was a time of great sadness in Israel. There was oppression, occupation, there was discord. There were false messiahs everywhere. But the angels decided to sing for this one. So what can we find in today's world where there might be angels singing? Right? Where are they? What is happening in your life where you might be able to find angels singing and you might be able able to join in that song somehow? What has God done for you this year? Even in the midst of this, what has he done for you that's, that's changed your world, changed your outlook, made you recognize how good God's love is for you? Where can you find yourself singing in what you've experienced this year? Man, then, then the angels returned to heaven, right? Luke 2, 15. The angels returned to heaven and the shepherds said to each other, okay, we got to go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about, right? So after the party, they needed to see for themselves. Why? Because they wanted confirmation and they wanted the joy of experiencing Jesus for themselves. They had been told, but they had not yet experienced him. Why just sit around knowing that Jesus is born when you can experience him firsthand? So the question becomes personal. How do we receive the joy of experiencing Jesus? And that's a good question, being so far removed from the day that the shepherds experienced it. One way we know, it's community, right? We experience the joy of Christ in community. That community gives us joy when we are around one another. Now in different parts of the world, different places are are experiencing certain types of lockdowns. Some are experiencing less. Hopefully the vaccine is coming out and I would encourage everyone to go ahead and get the vaccine as it becomes available to you. I believe it's safe. I will be getting it just so you know and um, you can save your emails if you think that I shouldn't because that's a decision that I've made and my family has made. Um, but but we believe that that's part of the way that we get through this, just the way the same way that we believed in taking care of mass. We do that because we want to as quickly as possible get back to worshiping together as a community because community helps us experience that joy worship and worship whether it's it's alone or whether it's with other people worship reminds us that the Holy Spirit is present and that Jesus is there through the Holy Spirit service when we serve we experience Jesus as we work with those that need help those that need care Those that maybe are forgotten or are marginalized. Those that too often are left alone to fend for themselves. And again, in a year like this year, man, I was just talking to a pastor today. And I gotta, I just give a shout out to Wade Ford. Their church has given away close to a quarter of a million, I think he said, a quarter of a million pounds of food over the last few months. And they're this little tiny church over there in Paris, California. Praise God for it. The way that they serve, they experience the joy of Jesus as they care for those who are the most marginalized and underserved in our community. How about sharing? Every time someone comes to know Jesus through us, you will be amazed at how the presence of God is with you. I can can remember times, early on in my ministry, I remember sitting, I think I was out in Coronado Island, sitting and talking to a young gentleman about the grace of God telling him who Jesus was and telling him how much Jesus loved him and watching his whole countenance, his whole face, right? Everything changed about him as he became cognizant of the fact that God loves him so overwhelmingly that there's nothing that he can do that will make God stop loving him. Nothing he can do that will separate him from the love of God. And I remember reading Romans 8, 38 and 39 with him and just having him weep for the understanding that God is with him. When we get to share who God is. When we get to share who Jesus is, not just in our lives but in the lives of everyone around us. Man, it is a moment where you experience the joy of following Christ and the joy of the presence of Christ. So, so they were excited, man. They wanted to get into that presence. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And I love that they hurried. They did not walk. They ran. Because when you understand who Jesus is, you don't waste time to get to him. You don't waste time to be with him because it's important that you spend every waking moment that you can in the presence of Jesus. And then what happens after seeing him? We don't know a lot about the interaction. Luke doesn't really tell us much. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So here it comes. Here's the sharing, right? Here's the evangelism. Here's the good news. They told everyone they saw. They didn't wait for the appropriate times. They didn't wait to understand everything. They sang of his goodness to all. And what happened? All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And this change in them was recognized because when you experience who Jesus is, whether it's Christmas, New Year's, Easter or any day of the year when you experience who God is in your life there's a change that happens and it blows people away and if you want to know the truth I I think I've struggled with this in 2020 I've struggled with despondency I've probably I don't know if it's clinical but I've definitely struggled with depression with feeling the futility of all of this Right, because we—I I was part of it. I was part of the the community of God that got together and you know, kind of lifted each other up, and mutually encouraged each other, which is mutual, mutually encouraged each other, which is what church is for, right? I was there. I'm there. That's what I do. That's what I love. And it's felt so hard not to do that together. But that doesn't mean that people aren't still being changed by God. That didn't mean that that the Holy Spirit stopped working just because we weren't in the same room together. It doesn't mean that Christ's presence isn't just as palpable and powerful as it has always been. It just means that we got to change the way we think about it a little bit. Change those habits, maybe, that we had gotten into. Some that were probably great and some that might not have been very good at all. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished because this was new. And then there's this little caveat in this text, right? This little parenthetical statement. It says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So why why this little parenthetical statement? You see, Mary's perspective was different. She was taking a long view of this. She was trying to savor every moment of the experience. Right? She saw it as only a mother could. And while she was excited for the baby, she was ultimately more excited about his calling and his purpose because she understood what that was. She never forgot about his calling and his purpose. Even when she pushed him into miracles at the wedding in Cana, she's like, "You've got a, there's a bigger thing here happening. You're, you're called to something greater. And she wanted to lean into every single one of those experiences, keep them into her heart. And she thought of them often. I love that phrase. It meant that her experience of people experiencing God through Jesus was something that she was going to hold on to day after day, year after year. It was to be something that would sustain her as she saw people understanding how much God loved them through this little baby and ultimately through her son as he grew. So what happens? The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen. It was just As the angel had told them. So they went back to their regular jobs, right? And they did it with a different attitude, though. They did it with a different outlook and they did it with a different opportunity because they knew they were no longer shepherds of sheep, they were shepherds of men. But they still had a day job, right? They still had to take care of the sheep. And after meeting Jesus, you know, there's a disappointment because we go back to our own lives, right? But even though we go back to our own lives, we don't go back to our old perspectives. We don't go back to our old understandings and attitudes. We go back to our old lives, but everything has changed. Listen, after Christmas, we go back to our lives. But should everything be the same? Truthfully, now this is what happens, right? We take down the tree, we take down the lights and we get on with it. But maybe we should hold on to something that reminds us of the good news that brings joy to the world. Maybe we need a little Christmas with us always. It's funny, you know, Christmas, this idea, has transcended a faith tradition and has moved into popular culture. And I think there are a lot of people who don't necessarily believe in Jesus, who kind of love this this cultural phenomenon that we call Christmas. And I know churches forever have been saying, let's put the Christ back in Christmas. I get all that, it's good, it's clever. But for those of us who call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, we never get away from this season. Whether we're thinking about Jesus as a baby, or whether we're thinking about Jesus as a young man, or whether we're thinking about Jesus on the cross, or whether we're even thinking about Jesus still up in heaven, thousands of years later, still interceding for us. Every day for us is a day where we can experience and we can share great joy. That's why why on God's Christmas list, the last thing He has, not the least by any means, but the last thing that He has for us, His wish for us is that we would share who He is to the world because He recognizes that in this instance, while it is an incredible joy and salvation to receive, the joy is sustained through giving. It's that gift that you can't get away from because you give it and give it and give it and you are filled up with more. And I know these are old tropes, right? I know that these are are almost cliches that I'm saying and sometimes it pains me to say them that way. But what do we believe in? And what do we share? I'm a minister of the gospel. It actually says it you know, somewhere in my credential. I do it within the context of a particular kind of wrapping, right? And there's nothing wrong with admiring the wrapping paper, but I never want to be confused about the gift really is. And after everything else recedes in my life, right? I will still have Jesus. You will still have Jesus. Jesus. Christmas, of course, has become about a lot of things. And your life is about a lot of things too. But My hope for you, my Christmas wish for you, the list that I have also has that you would unabashedly, unembarrassingly and unembarrassedly share who Jesus is in your life. And I put that caveat at the end, right? Share who Jesus is in your life. Tell the truth about who He is and what He's done for you. Tell your tr- tell the truth about your joys and your sorrows. Tell your truth about your doubts and your, and your certainty. Tell the truth about that because somebody's going through the same doubt that you're going through. Somebody's going through the same certainty that you're going through. Someone is going through exactly what you're going through. You don't know unless you say it. Don't... Give a fanciful picture about what a Christian or about what a Seventh-day Adventist should be. Simply tell the truth about you and God. That's what the angel did. Let me tell you the truth. Man, even that story of Simeon that I talked about last week. He even said, listen, it's great joy, but it'll also bring a great revealing in people's hearts. Like, it's going to be painful. So just tell the truth. The greatest gift that you can give is the raw experience that you've had with God and with Jesus. You give that to someone and you will see their lives change. That is a gift that will transcend any season of the year and will move to become the desire of your heart. That's on my Christmas list for you. Let's bow our heads. God of grace, God of mercy, God of love, God of compassion is before you that we are reminded of how truly great you are. Lord, may we all become evangelists, maybe not in the traditional term, but in the way that we simply share the good news of who you are. Lord, may we do this with incredible and abundant joy. And Lord, may may people catch that. May they see that. And even as we go back to our lives, our everyday mundane lives, Lord, may they experience that there is something different because of the God that we know. And Lord, if we haven't been living that way, forgive us and give us the courage and strength to live with that kind of joy. Let us decide on joy this year, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. We pray these things in your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.